0: exactly one year ago, in 14 days, it was our first day here at Ariola Bible Church, Sarah and I. Amen. <laughs> and we were so and still are so joyful to be here. In the months of interviews and coming up to visit and packing up our apartment and being newly married, and we're still newly married, but we were more newly married, <laughs> uh, and being newly married and packing up all the apartment and, and doing all this stuff, even through all the stress and through the, the I don't knows, we were able to have so much joy in knowing that we would be here in the coming months. Uh, if you have a bulletin with you, I have uh, sermon notes there uh, that you can fill in the blank. And I've titled this sermon, Pure Joy. I've titled it Pure Joy. And there's some other things other than being at Ariel, Bible Church, that uh, I can think of that remind me of pure joy. I can tell you of uh, our wedding day, uh, being engaged in the stress of planning a wedding and, and uh, getting to know my in-laws more and all this stuff. But I was still able to find joy in knowing in the coming months, I'd be able to watch my bride come down the aisle. Some other things that come to mind when I think of pure joy are a family getting to see their loved one come home from war. Just awaiting that knock on the door uh, to see their loved one come home from war. Or a mother... Uh, giving birth to a child and getting to hold that child for the first time even though she had to go through the pains of labor she was able uh, to have pure joy when she held that child for the first time all of these things that I've given you all these examples that I've given you resemble joy but they also resemble work they resemble testing of faith and even some heartache So the main point of this sermon, if you're following along in your notes there, the main point of this sermon is that we will learn how to have pure joy in putting to work the faith that we have in Jesus. That we will learn how to have pure joy in putting to work the faith that we have in Christ. So we're in James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, if you'll turn there uh, with me in your Bibles. James chapter 1. Uh, But before we dive into the Word, I'm going to set the context of the book as I'll be preaching out of James the next couple times that I preach. Uh, It's important to know the context here. Okay? Uh, So, uh, James was the first book in the New Testament to be written. Uh, It was written between 45 and 48 A.D. If you're an information person, you'll love this stuff. Okay? So, 45 to 48 A.D. was written... It was written by, the, by James, the half-brother of Jesus, our Lord. And it was written to Jewish Christians uh, scattered abroad. And you can see that in verse 1, as we'll dive into that in a minute. Uh, but it was written to Jewish Christians scattered abroad. Most likely, James wrote to the Jewish believers in Babylon and Mesopotamia. In other words, the people that James was writing to were double-persecuted. Okay, so they were not at home as Jews, but they were also Jewish Christians, and so the Jews in their communities would have uh, not agreed with their decision to follow Jesus. Okay, so that's important for our context, for our lesson this morning, uh, so keep that in mind. All right, James also referred to nature at least 30 times in this short book. He referred to the Old Testament, Old Testament books, at least 20 times. And he referred to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount at least 10 times. Okay, so James was very well studied and well learned and very present uh, in the life of Jesus. Out of 108 verses, 54 of them are a call to action. That's also important. So basically every other verse is saying, do something with your faith. Uh, The overarching theme of James is to exhort believers to Christian maturity and holiness despite living situations, social status, and persecution. James deals more with the practice of Christian faith than with its precepts. So in other words, James is about putting your faith to work. He's about putting your faith in Christ to work. As we recall our main point of the lesson here, that we would learn how to have pure joy in putting our faith to work. Okay, So I'll read uh, James 1, 1, through 5. And it says this. James, a bondservant of the Lord, uh, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So, if you're following along in the notes here, our first fill-in-the-blank comes from verse two. It says, "Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Pure joy requires all." of me. Pure joy requires all of me. Not some joy and mostly sadness but all joy, all of my focus, all of my attention, all of my effort. Pure joy requires all of me. And this is where James refers first to uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And you don't have to turn there. You're more than welcome to if you'd like. But I have the uh, scripture references on a sheet of paper. Uh, in larger print. James chapter 5, verse 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so James is referring here to the Sermon on the Mount. And remember the context we talked about earlier, that he's talking to doubly persecuted Christian Jews. Okay, so this is who we're addressing here. So if we're going to talk about having joy in trials, and having joy in putting our faith to work, we need to talk about what trials are. So moving forward in your outline here, First of all, we're going to talk about what trials are not. Okay, Trials are not problems that occur as a result of sin in my life. Trials are not problems that occur as a result of sin in my life. For instance, if I gossip about somebody and that gets back to them and then they confront me about it and all of a sudden I have conflict with somebody, that's not a trial of God testing my faith, that is, Uh, Sin doing what sin does and destroying relationships and people and things. Okay? So, trials are not problems that occur as a result of sin in my life. From a much broader perspective, what James is talking about here, is trials are problems that occur that I did not cause from a broad perspective. Trials are problems that occur that I did not cause like the death of a family member. Or your vehicle breaks down, or you get in a car accident. Okay, there's lots of things that happen that we don't cause, and is God wanting to see our faithfulness in these situations? Absolutely. I have an article here uh, from Bible Gateway uh, that explains this concept pretty well. It says When James writes about trials, he means hardships and sufferings that Christians encounter even as they are following the Lord. This would include tragedies unrelated to their public stance as Christians, such as young such as young Jim's death in the automobile accident. James will explicitly include poverty as one of the trials of many kinds throughout his book, but the most particularly, but he most particularly has in mind the trials of being persecuted, the trials that come as a consequence of one's faith in Christ. Okay, so trials from a broad perspective are problems that occur that I did not cause. But more specifically, and what we'll focus on today, is that trials are problems that occur as a result of my relationship with Christ. Trials are problems that occur as a result of my relationship with Christ. That could mean sharing the gospel with people, stepping out in obedience to that, Standing up for Christian principles. You know, like what Cynthia does at at the source, or at at, uh, Heart to Heart. Um, Or simply just in conversation, making known that you're a Christian. Saying, well, I go to church at Areola Bible Church, or I don't do this because I'm a Christian. A lot of these times, a lot of these things often result in persecution or trials okay a lot of these things result in persecution and trials um, Acts five forty uh, through 42 says they took advice uh, they took his advice and after calling the apostles some of you may know the context of this passage they called the apostles in and they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus And then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You take the apostles' example there, how they were joyful in the midst of being persecuted. Or if you look at the life of Paul, every time he went to prison, Just read the book of Philippians, right? It's about having joy uh, in times where we shouldn't have joy. But because of our relationship with Christ, we're able to. All right, so we've talked about what trials are not and what trials are. So let's bring this point home. If we are all in in our relationship with Christ, remember, pure joy requires all of me. If we are all in in our relationship with Christ, following him in obedience... We will experience trials because of it. We will experience trials, but we'll also experience pure joy. Matthew 10:34 says, "Do not, uh, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. If we're following Christ, we will experience trials. Moving forward uh, in James verses three through four. knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Pure joy requires forward thinking. Pure joy requires forward thinking, if you're taking notes. What I mean by this is doing things that you should do because you know the outcome. Uh, Some of you are farmers, you plant crops because you know that in the coming months they'll yield a profit. Those of you that are students, you study well for school because you know, or because your parents make you, but you you know that it'll affect your future positively. You do what you should because you know what the outcome will be. As Christians, we walk in faithfulness because we know what it'll produce in us. All right? Verse, three, uh, verse four, I mean. Uh, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So tested faith ultimately produces more faith. That's A in the second point there. Tested faith ultimately produces more faith. Anytime we respond to God in obedience, it helps us to trust him more even when it results in conflict and persecution, tested faith also makes us spiritually mature. Tested faith makes us spiritually mature, which is one of uh, which is one of the main points that James is trying to make throughout his whole book, is to for us to be made more spiritually mature. The Greek here uh, for perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, means to be made mature. Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5 says that not only this we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts, throughout the Holy or through the Holy Spirit given to us. Tested faith makes us spiritually mature. When I think of spiritual maturity, I think of those that are so joyful that it's almost annoying. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, Those people in your life, they're so joyful that it's almost annoying. And when you finally get to speak to these people in detail, uh, you start to find <coughs> they they speak more of God than of themselves. And when you get to know the person and when you get to know the details of their life, you start to see where their faith has been tested. And if you're thinking of a specific person, it would be a nice thing to write their name down and and find them and tell them thanks for being that godly example of spiritual maturity in my life. Okay, so back to the point here. Pure joy requires forward thinking. Pure joy requires forward thinking. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-9 through nine says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord... For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be uh, pleasing to him. That's forward thinking. Or again, Paul in Philippians 121, some of you may have committed this verse to memory. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to be on this earth, I'm going to live for the Lord. But I know that when it comes time, I'll be with him in heaven. That's forward thinking, giving us the ability to do what we should do because we know the outcome. So knowing that the testing of your faith produces more faith and spiritual maturity, we ought to be forward thinking in the midst of trials. I may not be joyful for the trials, but I'm joyful in the trials for the results that will come to fruition. That's forward thinking. Moving on in James, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Pure joy requires wisdom. Pure joy requires wisdom. Again, James refers here to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, uh, and verses 7 through 12, but I'll just read 7 through 8. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. So what is wisdom? Well, wisdom requires knowledge. Wisdom requires knowledge. So how do we gain knowledge? By immersing ourselves in God's word by reading other Christian literature that is sound in doctrine, by being involved in the church, by listening to seasoned preachers, uh, whether that be on the internet or in just being more involved in church, but by listening to seasoned preachers. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. I can know all about something, but not be wise. So, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. There's this cute little quote that I, that I like, and I don't know who it's by, but it says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's an article from gotquestions.org that explains this well also. It says, Knowledge is what is gathered over time through study of the scriptures. It can be said that wisdom, in turn, acts properly upon that knowledge. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge. Knowledge understands that light has turned red. Wisdom applies breaks knowledge sees the quicksand wisdom walks around it knowledge memorizes the ten commandments wisdom obeys them knowledge learns of God wisdom loves him if you want to know more on wisdom I highly suggest reading through the book of Proverbs lots of wisdom there we get ready to end our time this morning, and I know it was more of a shorter sermon this morning, but as we get ready to close our time, as we recall these points that we made here, <clears throat> pure joy requires all of me, if we are all in on stepping out in faith and obedience to Christ despite the trials that come of it. Pure joy requires forward thinking. If we're forward thinking in those trials, becoming uh and, and forward thinking and becoming more mature Christians, and ultimately eternity with God. And finally, if we're wise in applying our knowledge of God and our faith to daily living, then we will have pure joy as we put our faith to work. Let's pray. God, I just come to you and pray this afternoon, thanking you so much for our time together this morning. Lord, I pray that as uh, we close, Father, that we would leave here closer to you, Lord, that we would leave here wiser. God, that we would leave here uh, willing to step out in obedience. God, to accept the trials that you have given us based on our relationship with you. God, even though the world sometimes hates us, Lord, it hated you also. Father, I pray that we would have pure joy in knowing that we are pleasing to you. Father, give us boldness, give us strength to step out in obedience. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.